Hello there, friends. It is great to be back with you today for another episode of the In Focus podcast, taking a fresh look at the Bible and some big Christian ideas, how they bring our world into focus and empower us to live a new, more eternal kind of life within it. I'm your host, Justin Laughlin, husband, dad, pastor, professor, and most importantly, follower and disciple of Jesus Christ. In our previous episode, Getting Down to Business, we looked at a particular segment within God's sweeping, inclusive, and eternal story. And the period in question was our time in that story, as we are living between Jesus's ascension and his return. That period is, of course, crucial because it is the time in which we are all defining ourselves for eternity. It's the period of God's story that Jesus was bringing into focus in Luke chapter 19, verse 11 and following. It's the period of the story for which Jesus left his final instructions for his followers just before his ascension near the end of each gospel account. And it's the period of the story that's all about faithfulness and mission. And pulling together all of those ideas, basically, this is the time in which we define ourselves eternally by our allegiance to the king or lack thereof, and our going about the king's business while he's away, or again, our lack thereof. So today, I suppose, is actually the prequel to the previous episode. We will start today with a quick look at at the story as a whole, again, because that's so crucial and important. But then we're going to zoom in on how the story leads up to Jesus and how everything comes together in him. So here we go. The eternal story of God from Genesis 1 to Revelation chapter 22. And of course, the story opens with God creating everything. And here's the gist of it. Humanity is created in the likeness of God and springs to life, of course, as God breathes his life into us, and we are created and set in motion to know God and to live in close fellowship with him. We are created and we are blessed by God, and we are the image bearers of God, the icons that are living in creation and extending God's blessing everywhere we go. And uh, a final note, this is all around Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 7 thereabouts. Uh, Humanity is created to govern creation on God's behalf and to see it become increasingly ordered and fruitful. So, in short order, of course, humanity rebels and the whole creation falls into chaos and disorder. And that basically closes the opening scene. Uh, That's all about this amazing plan of God and God's people and God's good creation and everything working together perfectly as creation would grow and develop into all that God intended it to be under the care of his image bearers. Uh, But again, the fall, it's a mess, it's chaos. And we move forward uh, a few pages into the story to scene two. And this is Uh, roughly taking place around Genesis 12 and continues on through the book of Esther uh, to use rough um, approximations. Uh, So, in Genesis chapter 12, God calls a faithful and righteous man named Abraham, and the redemptive plan gets underway. 
God's promise to Abraham that he will bless the whole world through Abraham and his descendants. Uh, And then later in Exodus, God tells Abraham's descendants how the plan is for them to live faithfully the way all humanity was supposed to live so that the rest of the humanity and the surrounding nations could look in on Israel from the outside and be reminded and awakened of what humanity is supposed to be according to God's design. And also God promises David, another of Abraham's descendants, that David would have a descendant on the way who would reign forever and ever. So, Uh, The story advances. God has a redemptive plan underway. It's also narrowed somewhat from all of humanity and from all of creation onto this specific people and this specific land and the specific time period uh, that we know as the history of Israel. And of course, also, just like humanity before them, in short order, scene two comes crashing to a halt as Israel falls into the same rebellion and chaos as humanity did before them. So, scene one closed out and creation was basically a dumpster fire. And scene two closes out, sort of like God sent Israel to be the fire truck to put out the fire and to get creation back on track, but then the fire truck crashes into the ditch and itself is being consumed in flames. Uh, But before the curtain goes down on scene two, on the period of time that focuses on the nation of Israel, as the truck's in the ditch, it's self-burning uncontrollably. God sends a number of prophets, and through these prophets, he's promising that a day will come when God himself will do for Israel and for all of humanity what we could not do for ourselves. He would renew us. He would give us a new heart. He would make us right. And in doing so, he would begin the process of renewing all of creation and restoring all of creation back to his intended purposes for it. You can be thinking here of the words in Isaiah that children will play with lions and over the den of cobras and everything will exist in harmony once again. Um, Israel, um, sorry, Isaiah is is, uh, forecasting and prophesying a day when creation will once again be set into order and all will be good. And so the prophets speak, the curtain drops, and biblically speaking, at least there is a silence for about 400 years as humanity and Israel wallow in the mess that we had all created for ourselves. And then, at just the right time, Jesus, the Son of Man, the Son of David, the Son of God, The whole story and everything that had gone before him, the potential, the promise, the goodness of creation, the sin, the rebellion, the chaos, everything collapses on to Jesus's shoulders. And then bearing the weight and the burden of it all, he loved, he gave, he sacrificed, and he was crucified. And I suppose at that moment, it couldn't have looked any worse. Humanity had failed, Israel had failed, and now God was dead. Except he didn't stay dead. 
And three days later, of course, as all Christians believe and as we all anchor ourselves, he rose from the dead. And in doing so, he absorbed the entire fall of creation in that death. Uh, Far from being the ultimate failure, the cross became Jesus's coronation as the king of all creation. And this is, in fact, the way Uh, The Passion Week unfolds um, in the Gospel of Mark as he is echoing the coronation stories of the rulers of the time. Uh, So the whole story turns on Jesus's death and resurrection. From the empty grave, the seeds of the renewal of all creation are now spreading outward in every disciple and every servant of the King. And out before uh, when Jesus returns out there will be the complete, total culmination of renewal when Jesus will reign forever and his people will know him fully and we will govern creation under his kingship forever. That is the final conclusion of the tale in Revelation chapter 22. And of course, that is just how God always intended things to be. So again, in the last episode, getting down to business, we looked more closely at our current place in the story between the ascension and the return of the king. But now let's turn back uh, quickly and point out just how big Jesus is and how everything comes together in him. A second ago, I mentioned one of Jesus's New Testament titles, the Son of Man, because Jesus is the quintessential human being. He is the image of the invisible God. In him, the fullness of God dwelt bodily. He is the perfect representative of humanity that God created back in Genesis chapter one, and he is our redeemer so that we too in him can be restored to God's full design and full uh, capacity, full potential. As God's, uh, sorry, as Paul states near the end of Romans 8, Jesus is the firstborn of many brothers and sisters. And as his people, as his brothers and sisters, we are being conformed into his image and likeness. In other words, Humanity in Jesus Christ is being restored. Jesus is the Son of Man. And of course, that's not all. Uh, Again, Jesus is also the Son of David. And what that means for us is that Jesus fulfills every redemptive purpose and plan and promise of Abraham and his descendants. So through Jesus, the whole world has been blessed Through Jesus, God is once again known to any and every person who would desire to know God. Through Jesus, the eternal reign of God through the lineage of Abraham and then David has been fulfilled. So, in other words, not a single word or promise or purpose has been left out. Jesus is the son of David. And then finally, uh, Jesus is the Son of God. So remember that as humanity fell and was spiraling out of control and Israel uh, right after them, God was promising through the prophets to step in and do for 
humanity and Israel what we could not do for ourselves. He promised to make us new creatures. He promised to give us new hearts. He promised to get creation back on track and back toward its original design. And everything God promised to do for us on our behalf, Jesus stepped in and did. It has all been accomplished. So Jesus is the son of man, the quintessential human. He is the son of David. He is the son of God. And having put all of these ideas together in a bundle, hopefully we can see that the whole entire story that had been unfolding for literally millennia all came together in Jesus. Not a single speck was left unanswered or unresolved. Not a single detail has been abandoned. The whole story comes together in Jesus. And then in Jesus, it is progressing forward, even now, until the day he returns and uh, we cross that new threshold, whereas we once crossed the threshold of the fall into darkness, we will cross another threshold when Jesus returns into the culmination of all that work, a new heavens and a new earth, once again joined together and one like a bride and groom forever. So there you have it. One more crack at pulling God's story, our story, into focus, and another attempt at conveying just how ridiculously big, glorious, and all-encompassing our great King, our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ, really is. He is everything. He's King. He will return. And as for us in the meantime, let's live well and let's live faithfully, keeping in mind everything that lies ahead. There is no better way we could live, no way more joyful, no way more hopeful, and certainly no more eternal kind of life. Thank you again for tuning in to today's episode. I hope that it has helped again bring your world into a little better focus and empowered you to live a more eternal kind of life within it. I hope your heart is awakened to the story you're part of and to the greatness and centrality of Jesus Christ, our King. I hope the fire is kindled in your bones to be part of what God is doing in the world. And I pray that you have been a little bit better equipped and empowered through God's word and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to give everything you've got in service of our King and to engage in his business between now and his return. If you're streaming today's episode from a podcast provider like Apple, Google, Spotify, or anybody else, it'd be great if you would take a second to give it a good rating or review perhaps even become a subscriber. Uh, The show is still pretty new, so your response will help it become easier for new listeners to find in the future. If you'd like, you can also share this episode directly with your friends on social media. A link has been provided in the show notes to do that. And if you'd like to hear something specific from the Bible or a particular big Christian idea in the future, please email me using the address that's also included in the show notes. I would 
Also welcome any feedback that might help me to improve things and would love to hear any ways that the show uh, has impacted you. Until next time, thanks again for being a friend of the show and for tuning in to the In Focus podcast. May your world continue coming into clearer focus and may God lead you into an increasingly eternal kind of life before him.